Sound design. You know, now the next set of tools is Zoom. Sound Design Live is produced by Noah Feldman and Nathan Lively in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the home of the world's best online training and sound system tuning that you can do at your own pace from anywhere in the world. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by freelance sound engineer and audio entrepreneur, Ed Kingston. Ed, welcome to Sound Design Live. Hey, thanks, Nathan. How are you doing? Doing good. How do you feel about that that intro? I was reading all the stuff about you, and I was like, you know what? The simplest thing is like freelance sound engineer, audio entrepreneur. How how do you self-identify? Well, I have been doing this for over 20 years now, and I've done so so many different... I've, yeah, I'm getting, I've got a gray beard and my hair is going gray and I last cut it in 1997. And when people ask me how long I've been doing this, I usually pull my hair down on my backside and, uh, and say, oh, about this long. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a passion that I've had since I was a kid. I have fond memories of my dad uh, coming home from work with one of those old little plasticky tape recorders that you put a cassette set in and my uncle had a modular sound system in his front room with a really nice old turntable and a good selection of vinyl and my grandfather was an electrical engineer and between those three things I ended up you know developing a taste for music and mucking about with electrical stuff and wiring and it's turned into you know what I am. Awesome. Well, let's let's get into that. So, I definitely want to talk to you about we're going to talk about streaming events today and and sort of remote mixing and painting speakers. But before we do that, just to get to know you and your musical tastes a little bit here Ed. After you get a sound system set up or maybe a a speaker put together, what's one of your first go-to like favorite pieces of music to put on to just get familiar with it? I've got a selection of about five or six tracks, and each one shows me something that the system's doing. And what I try to do is turn it on and play something and then look for things that aren't supposed to be there and get rid of them. So I've got two tracks that I use. Let me just find them here by Sam and Dave and they've got this really kind of bright Motown 5k thing that really shows up if there's anything wrong in the high mids in the vocal region. I put on a Gorillaz track called Sunshine in a Bag I believe it's called. It's coming on and I'm feeling glad I got sunshine It's just on my playlist is Gorillaz and that's got something in around the three four hundred that tells me the bottom end of the vocals right or not. I've got a reggae track called track number eight off of block 16 and the CD that I ripped it from has a scratch on it so I have to forward through the first 30 seconds of it past the scratch and then this foghorn okay. bass line <laughs> this foghorn bass line comes in that does the two notes and then it does a third note that some systems just don't do and that tells me what the bottom end's doing in the system and I can get that all sitting nicely I quite like the Prodigy 
the Queen's not favorite tune, Smack My Bitch Up, because when it drops, it drops. And it's got all that distortion-y stuff that I like from my previous heavy metal days when I was a kid. an Alanis Morissette tune being Canadian and it's the secret track at the end of Jagged Little Pill and if you go to the very end and then just let it play for a couple of minutes there's an acapella thing about her singing to an ex-lover in the shower and it's just acapella with this tremendous reverb and that will uh-huh. let me know whether or not the room's behaving well for me and there's some stuff about 800 in there that I can fix you know to do with EQing and that's you know those I I don't play the whole track I just play snippets of each track and I can now I've got this down to you know five minutes of just clicking through and going dick 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 five minutes of clicking through and going dick 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 and I can make the um, make the room or the PA or whatever it is sound reasonable and then I got a few other go-to things but you know Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, Ed, do you think there's anyone listening right now who might be young enough that they don't know what a secret track is? Oh, that's quite possible. Like uh, if you grew up uh, when there were no a, more it's, CDs, it, it's you might from have never CDs. Heard of I, I remember having <laughs> I remember having a fake Sony Walkman made by Sanyo and listening to the Queen's greatest hits just about the time that Michael Myers would have been learning how to drive. So, sure. <laughs> and he he grew up a few miles away from me. I never met the man, but Wayne's World is the uh-huh. is the backdrop of my youth in Scarborough, Ontario, suburban Toronto in the nineteen eighties. The same adventures. Yep. the The name of the bar well, just gonna... comes from Toronto. Before... <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> this is a perfect example of live streaming issues, right? Like, because I'm calling in on my phone. Because I'm yeah. at my new office and we don't have internet yet, the latency, I guess, is pretty significant. And so we end up talking over each other. And, you know, this is just one of the problems that come up when you're, like, trying to connect with people around the globe and you don't have any control over, you know, everyone's internet connection. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But go ahead and finish up what, what you were saying and then I'll explain what a secret track is. Well, yeah, I grew up in in and around the Toronto area in Canada in the 1980s as a teenager. And I got over to England in the early 90s and went to work in a pub. And these guys came in and started talking about this guy with long hair, headbanging, with a red check shirt, headbanging in a little blue hatchback to a Queen song. And I thought... How does he know what I did when I was 15? And this is, <laughs> this is you know, Michael Myers taking the, the, taking the piss out of my teenage years in, in Toronto. 
And the bar in the movie is called the Gasworks, and I used to play there before I was old enough to drink. I'd do the acoustic oh, sets place. upstairs. It was, yeah. It's now a surplus shop. I went back last summer and saw, well, a year ago last summer, and saw it's now a surplus shop. But it it was actually a bar called the Gasworks, where all the heavy metal bands played, and it okay. is literally tick 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 all of the stuff I did when I was fifteen. That's hilarious. Yeah. And what about um, Stan Makita's Donuts? Stan Makita's? No, that's Tim Hortons. Oh, okay. You've heard of Timmy's? Yes. I was really shocked. I was in the Middle East on a gig, and I walked into the shopping center and found Tim Hortons Donuts, and I was like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I was going to explain for anyone who might be young enough to not have ever experienced CDs... Um, for a while, I, th I think in the 90s, it was popular to put a secret track at the end of the CD. So, you know, you could have a total of, what, like 72 minutes on a CD? I can't remember. But if Something you like didn't that. have enough material to fill the CD, then it was popular to just put a bunch of silence at the end of the last track and then have another like what you would normally play as like a B-side or something at the end of the track. So my high school band, we did that. We had some, you know, uh, weird Inspector Gadget cover at the end. And uh, lots of people did that. So when you rip that CD and put it onto your iPod later, you had this one track that was super long because it just had all this silence on it. So that's what a secret track is. Nostalgia. So, Ed, um, how did you get your first job in audio? Like, what was your first paying gig? Oh, my first paying gig was at a club in the infamous Hoxton Square called the Blue Note. And I'd, I'd kind of, I'd finished high school and we lived outside of the city and I moved back to the Toronto area and went to Trebus, which was a recording art school. And then I dropped out of Trebus after about six months because... Having a job, a girlfriend, a band, and school where I wanted to learn how to mix, and they were trying to give me communication lessons. I thought, fuck this. So, or <laughs> screw this, or whatever. Sod this. Sod this works. And then, um, <laughs> and then uh, I went and did some repair work and did learned how to fix stuff at George Brown College for a couple of years and then almost immediately moved to England because my English girlfriend ran away from winter and my buddy from college lived on a boat over here with his girlfriend and I moved in with my girlfriend and we kind of yeah, it was a you know we hung out for a bit and then I split up with my girlfriend and I stayed so a couple of years later I was pushing boxes for the local crew company and um, this guy came up to me while I was painting some staging one day and he said, do you want to work for, uh, do you want to paint some speakers? And I said, sure. And I went into this warehouse for a company called Britannia Row and learned how to spray paint speakers. And the next day... Now, Britannia day Row I, is huge, right? That's one of the biggest yeah, production companies yeah. in the UK. Yeah. And the next day I got a phone call from somebody saying, do you want to come and mix a band? And I said, sure. And I walked in and they had the same brand of speakers, the same turbo sound stuff, a slightly older model. And it was a guy named Eddie Pillar who owned Acid Jazz Records that ran the club. And he, you know, liked what I did with the band and said, do you want to come back tomorrow? And that was okay. it. I was in, you know, and 
by and day. And how did they I know that you knew how to mix a band? I mean, how did you get that job besides just uh, being in the right place at the right time? A friend of mine that was hanging out with Eddie said, oh, I know somebody. He's just got a job at a PA company. <laughs> and, you know, I went in and I plugged stuff in and I figured it out and made it sound okay. And they asked me to come back. And I was there until the place closed a couple of years later. Wow. Okay, so, Ed, I know a lot of things have happened since then. Your life and your career have had all these twists and turns, but I was wondering if we could, like, zoom in on one particular moment when you feel like things really took a turn for you. And I find that with a lot of people, there's a moment when they make a decision like, okay, I'm not going to do this thing anymore, or, okay, I'm going to move to London, or I'm going to do something different with my life. So I'm wondering if looking back on your career so far, maybe you could tell us about one of the best decisions you made to get more of the work that you really love. Well, I'd been working for this company for several years, and I'm not going to mention their name because they no longer exist. And they basically had a bad reputation for client service and uh -oh. paying their, paying their their employees and I was stuck in a trap with them where I'd go and do jobs uh, only to be told that you know oh the money's coming next week and then the money's coming next week and I spent you know years living in squats in London because I couldn't pay the rent regularly and had a you know did free parties on the weekends when I didn't have gigs on and it was all very hedonistic in the 90s and great fun and then a decade went by as a, you know the Pink Floyd song says 10 years has gone by and nobody told me when to run so I just spent about a month and a half getting ready to do this festival with these guys and they were doing dance music and I was getting kind of tired of staying up all night and doing, you know, babysitting DJs and things. I was very good at it, but I wanted to mix bands. And I got a phone call from somebody that I'd worked with before, and they said, do you want to come and work for Yusuf Islam at the Live Earth concert in Germany on the same weekend as this festival? And I was at loggerheads with the owner of the company. I walked into the warehouse to you know look at the prep sheet and pull all the equipment for the for the festival and there wasn't a single piece of equipment on the prep sheet in the warehouse uh -oh. and and that's when the phone rang and i you know had a fight with the guy that was in the office that day because the owner of the company was somewhere else and went to the calf to have a cup of tea and a bacon sandwich and on my way to the calf there was thunder and lightning and hail and i walked into the calf and this guy's song is playing on the radio in the calf and i thought i can't ignore any of this <laughs> so i called the up the company <laughs> i called up the company and i said you know what I'm going to be going to Germany. And I went to Germany and I think it was the front of house guy that squeaked, but it, you know, it squeaked on the second track and I, uh, you know, he wasn't touring or anything. He just did a one-off and I never saw him again, but that walking away from those, that enterprise was the best thing I ever did. So sometimes saying no, sometimes saying no 
is best you know i i had this idea that you know just take all the work that god sends and it'll all be fine and i was just getting pigeonholed into this place i didn't want to be anymore so that's probably the biggest one that's happened more than once but never on that scale all right, Ed. So at this year's Live Sound Summit, you gave a great presentation and a demo of remote mixing. You had a couple of different people at different locations, and you showed how you can remote in to control their mixes, listen to them, do recording, do editing, do overdubs. And if people want to watch that, they can do that at LiveSoundSummit2020.SoundDesignLive.com. But what I would love to ask you about related to this is kind of a, just where the business side is a little bit, because the, the thing that you said during that presentation that really caught my ear was that we as sound engineers should be thinking about how to help people, customers, clients solve problems that they're dealing with now, starting to trying to do live streaming events, trying to figure out how to do their events with social distancing and put them online. And one of the things that you mentioned, for example, was helping people figure out how to charge for a live event that they're streaming to Facebook, for example. And so I've sort of been keeping my eye out for that and like looking for products that are turning up and I'm, I've been seeing solutions for that specific question. And so I don't know if we want to specifically talk about that, but my real question for you is from just looking at a business and demand perspective, like where do you see the demand for this right now when you're getting calls or, or you're seeing other people getting work for this kind of stuff? What are the most common services that people are hiring you for related to remote mixing? Well, the demo that I did, I basically figured out how to do that from a history of using Yamaha equipment, Yamaha mixers, and Wi-Fiing to them. And I've been doing it for over a decade now. When the first M7s came out and I saw somebody plug a wi-fi box into the back of the m7 and then link to it i'm like oh wow i can tune the monitors without having to run back and forth and play with faders and stuff so i did that uh, i figured that all out and then i just you know expanded on that but the the monetization of it i'm still kind of struggling with i haven't actually done any mixing in the way that i demonstrated because most of the people that I've been working with don't actually have one of these mixers at the other end of the internet, you know. Got um, it. Yeah. And so what I've been doing is to go online beforehand and have like a pre-Zoom meeting and go through all the Zoom settings and go through the mixer or equipment or whatever it is they've got there and try to optimize that so that it's you know stable and doesn't fall over and one of the things that i've noticed with zoom is once you've unticked the 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 automatic stuff that you know gets rid of persistent and background noise and things like that and turned on your original sound and gone through all of that that you can't actually turn the the volume up very much on the zoom call because or the the feed to the zoom from their end because the logarithm that they're using is designed for audio that's speech based and when you start putting okay. full spectrum music through it it 
gets glitchy and starts juddering and falls over and stuff. So what I've tried to do is get people to, you know, mostly just turn down their Zoom feed or turn, turn down what they're feeding to Zoom. And that fixes a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, yesterday, I, d I did another sound check for somebody that I did a gig for a couple of weeks ago where they raised £2,000 for a charity that plants trees in the Amazon. We're trying to reforest the Amazon because it's all being burnt down at the moment. And they called me up because they're doing another gig tomorrow. And they said, oh, I've got all this new stuff. And they had a nice Neumann large diaphragm condenser. And they bought a new Universal Audio Apollo Twin. And, you know, they got their MacBook and stuff. And I spent an hour and a half, two hours with them yesterday just going through the setup. And, you know, at times I'm having a WhatsApp call with them, a video call saying, can you show me this thing and you know, show me where the connection is and just ev going through everything in detail with them and making that work. And they're sending me some hair care products from one of their sponsors. So um, <laughs> awesome. the previous gig I did for them, I got 75 quid for a couple of hours of my time, you know, sat here with headphones and a microphone and just, I did the pre, the, I did all the pre work that the, the I guess, pre-production work the day before and set up the Zoom meeting with them. I found that Zo using Zoom, if you pay the 40 quid or 30 quid or whatever it is for the Zoom webinar, you get HD sound and HD video and you can oh, stream. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and that's a much better option than just the £15 upgrade. And... You can do custom streaming with that as well, rather than just to Facebook or to YouTube. But yeah, set it all up. Make a dead... What what we, what else I've done is I've made a dead space on one of my Facebook... A friend's Facebook page. And um, it's basically... It's not published. So if I need to check something, I can stream to that. And I'm an editor on it. And I can stream to that and then go back and check what it's like. And that's been very helpful as well. But um, Okay, know, this is actually really helpful. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I'm just realizing that... So what you've actually been doing a lot is a lot of consulting. And it sounds like where the demand yeah. is, is number one, helping people set up their equipment, but also kind of understanding just how to get the most out of Zoom. And one of those things is just like paying for Zoom webinars so that you have HD audio, but then also having like an unpublished Facebook page so that you can stream to that and no one sees it and then you can look at it later. Like, that's a great tip. Yeah. And um, the I set up a PayPal. We did one streaming event for these guys called All About Love. And there's a page called All About Love Gatherings on Facebook. And you can see a couple of the events I've done there with them. One of them's with a guy named Kyle Murray and Susie Rowe. And they actually sang together on Zoom. And they threw away the whole concept of timing and just did kind of an acapella bit where one of them did a drone and the other one busked a melody over top of it. And that sounded really, really nice and that worked. And then they went back and forth with their stuff and... and Instead of using the spotlight on the Zoom meetings, I've done, uh, we let them 
uh, mute and unmute their cameras. And when you're streaming to Facebook, that lets them join in and you can have two or three people up at once and then everybody leaves and it just leaves the audio, the member that's spotlit. But they're doing it all themselves. And make sure that you tick the box in the Zoom settings under meeting settings, advanced, and you can, or no, sorry, in the recording settings, and you can tell it to record the gallery view rather than the spotlight view. And then you get that as a recording that you can then, you know, do other things with later. Of, of yeah, these are... The only way that I've figured out how to make this work for me is because I find the settings in Zoom not to be particularly intuitive, what yeah. I'll have to do is I'll check one box, then I'll start a session, hit record, uh, and then stop it and watch it and see what that setting does. And then check the next setting and hit record. And you have to like, it takes a while, but you have to go through all of them to kind of learn what they it, are, what you want to get ages. out of this particular... Yeah. And and then Zoom does an update, and it all changes. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the beginning. Oh, yeah. So um, well, I've had a couple. Well, you're getting a lot of calls about this stuff, right? Well, yeah, I've did one weekend-long streaming event where we basically did a festival onto a, uh, and these guys set up their own TV station, online TV station called Spirit Fest TV. And it's got, they basically put a field up for the festival called Spirit Fest 20. And you could go into different tents and see different things happening at the same time. So it was more like a real festival rather than just sitting and watching somebody perform on Facebook. And we get a slightly better quality video out of that. And we set all of this up and we went into a yoga studio in Brighton, which is a beach town about an hour south of London uh, that was donated by one of the artists who lives in the yoga studio. And they've we set a tent up in the back garden and put a control area out there with a bunch of Macs. And I had my streaming set up that I've cobbled together out of some bits that I've managed to buy for about a grand and a half and some old stuff I had lying about. I borrowed some old Calrex off of my flatmate and bought a wide angle camera for 18 quid from China that took ages to arrive and set all of this stuff up in the yoga studio and used that as our base. And we had, you know, a band come in and I set it up so that it's like, unplugged so there's not everything's mic'd up i had the two calrex's room mics and everybody's got to sit there being very quiet in the space when we're doing the streaming and then i put two vocal mics up and i ran them through a soundcraft efx that's got a lexicon reverb unit in it that sounds quite nice and i put the left and right output into my Adderall and then I put two 58s up and ran them through a couple of L, uh, Bose L1s that were just either side that one of the other artists brought in and made this setup so that we could have some reverb and some effects and stuff on it if we wanted to. And it's, you know, mostly acoustic things, but one guy turned up with a keyboard and another guy's got a, instrument, a traditional instrument called a Cora from 
Africa that's basically the the gourd from a calabash with a stick attached to it and it's got about yeah. a dozen about a dozen strings on it and um, it's a really beautiful sounding instrument but his plugs in so we plugged that in and he's got a little effects pedal that he runs some effects through and stuff and brought that into the into the room and then sent the room mix through the calrex out and it sounded really good unfortunately when we tested this all and i was doing two streams at once so i've got a zoom meeting streaming some yoga classes running in the back and then i've got in the space the artists practicing and i had two streams running all afternoon on friday when we were testing and things it was great we had this fat broadband installed specifically for this gig and then saturday came and it was 30 degrees and everybody went to the beach from london and there was thousands and thousands of people on the beach on their phones and it swamped the local broadband and oh, my wow, connection okay. speed died from like 11 o'clock on saturday you know we started it we started at 10 o'clock and at 11 o'clock everything just ground down to a halt <laughs> where i could basically just stream the live room i couldn't bring any zoom in and stream that back out because i was using oh, no. obs to do the live stream and um, i could manage to get one of the streams stable after about six o'clock in the afternoon when people started going away fortunately we had enough pre-recorded stuff that people had given us that we'd already uploaded to the server that we could slot that in and like jig the we had a guy in Bristol, which is the other side of the country, who was running all of the background stuff and doing all the ad, all of the Facebook, you know, advertising and bringing people in and stuff like that, uh, trying to get people's attention. And he was, you know, uploading these videos and placing them at the right time on the right channel and things like that for us and there was another chap in the back or there were two chaps in the back uh in the tent doing similar stuff and uh we managed to pull it off wow okay and, so for um, people who don't know or haven't used it yet obs is open broadcaster software and it is this yeah. really cool free open source cross-platform streaming switching recording solution and so a lot of us have been getting for video. into it now that a lot of things are going online yeah yeah, yeah it's 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 a really handy video stuff another thing that you said that i thought was really cool is that you had backups so that's one of the questions we are going to get into a little bit later but one of the things that people have been asking about is you know what to do about latency and what to do about connection issues and We've all seen this online, you know, even like these big sort of what seem like high value, expensive, high production value events, like they can't do anything to ensure the connection quality of people at their homes. So, for example, I watched a live reading of the original cast of Princess Bride a couple of nights ago, and my friends and I were texting back and forth. And one of them said, hey, this looks as bad as basically any WebEx you know, meeting I've had to go to for work. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Like they're having the same audio and video issues that we all have all the time. So it's really kind of leveled the playing field. It doesn't matter how good your technology and how good your team is. Like you still can't fix people's connections on their end. You know, you can't control everything. And so it sounds like one of the 
backup solutions that we should have and that you had is to have some pre-recorded content. So in case everything goes wrong, you can throw that up. Is, was that the situation? Well, the pre-recorded content came about kind of accidentally because we, going into the event a week beforehand, we, you know, started, I started trying to contact all of the artists and do my pre-production stuff and trying to do sound checks and things or video checks or whatever you want to call them and found that there was a lot of people that were, A, not in the same place that they were going to be in, B, didn't have access to the equipment that they were going to use on the day when I was available to do the sound check. Uh, or C, were just like, oh, I've used Zoom on these things before and it was really crap. Can I just send you a recording? So we started accepting pre-recorded bits and as they came in, they were getting uploaded onto the server for the TV channel. And fortunately, they'd been uploaded. And when it all fell to pieces, we're like, what are we going to do? Oh, wait a minute. We've got a piece of stuff from these guys. And having the guy in another town that wasn't being swamped by all of these people coming to the beach was a godsend. You know, because yeah. he's on the other side of the country. And this is another thing is, you know, I've done stuff where I've done the pre sound check the day before and I'm doing it with a guy in Australia and he's in a different time zone and a different thing and all of this. And the throttling that happens because it's kind of like airplane seats, you know, they oversell the airplane because they know some people aren't going to turn up. And then when it's too full, they just basically say, oh, sorry, you can't get on. And they oversell the broadband subscriptions because they know that not everybody's going to use it all the time. And then at six o'clock on Friday afternoon, when everybody gets home from work and school and goes to switch on Netflix and check their email and do whatever it is that they do at six o'clock, it slows down everywhere, you know, and it's, never it's like traffic it never happens the same twice in two weeks you know it depends on what's going on so i've you know done a sound check one day and then the next day i've gone to log on with the guy and his broadband connections absolutely rubbish the day before it was solid the best one i've had was a guy up a mountain in columbia who's paid 300 quid for a mast to be put up and he's got six up and six down which seems really small but it was so stable and so clean it was he could actually get some good volume out of it without it glitching okay cool <laughs> and then and then just before his last song one of his dogs kicked the plug out of the wall and his oh router shut off and i just like <laughs> unannounced i just said oh i think that we've lost him you know and he's popped back in again and done one more song it was great so you know, it doesn't matter how much pre-production stuff you do. The one, the last one I did, I the other chap in the room had left his microphone open, and I just handed over to the artists to do their preamble and introductions. And I'm trying to get one more guy logged into the meeting, and I'm shouting instructions to somebody over the over the phone to the other guy and it's coming up his onto the meeting and they're like ed we can hear you and i'm like Ooh, mute so um oh no because you know it's it's 
we've got three people in the same space all on a zoom meeting all on headphones and you know we're all trying to have a chat beforehand and go through the you know how it's all going to flow and then we're trying to bring in the the host from somewhere else and he wasn't at his pc and was trying to get zoom to work on somebody else's machine and you know he's not a tech and it you know caused a little bit of delay so wow. it's really it's really kind of you know bite the bullet and just go with it i think from my point of view yeah it reminds me a little bit of the conversations that i've had over the years with other podcasters who were always trying to figure out how do we get you as the interviewee to have a solid recording. And so, you know, from the emails I've been sending you, I have like this list of all these things that I try to get you to do. Please use headphones. Please be in a quiet room, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I have this whole list. And then someone will follow all those rules and then they still figure out some way for the recording to sound terrible. There'll be some like loud clock in the background or, you know, something will always go wrong. So it's just part of... The surprises that come up when you're trying to connect with people, you know, like we're doing now. And so we've already sort of been talking about this for a while, Ed, but I wonder if we could, if you could maybe go over some of the biggest mistakes you see people making who are new to either remote mixing or live streaming events. So like having your dog near the plug, that's a mistake. What are some of the other uh, common mistakes that you see sort of messing up live events? Well, when I was setting up to do this recording, I pulled out a 421 that I had laying about that I borrowed off of a friend for something I did a couple of weeks ago. And I popped it up and I sounded absolutely glorious. And then my computer started updating in the background and the fan kicked in and I could hear the fan noise because the 421's so, so wide. So I've swapped to, uh, I think this is a 441, which means that if I move my head just a little bit off axis, I get quiet, but it doesn't pick up the fan noise. So mm -hmm. picking your equipment is quite important. Trying to uh, making sure that the Wi-Fi is plugged into your PC is a number one place of failure. Wired connection, okay. Wired connection. Go through the settings and turn off the stuff in Zoom. So I've talked so many people through this. You got to turn off the automatic adjust microphone volume to start with. Okay, that's under that's, audio under settings, right? That's okay. in the audio settings, and for some reason on Max that pins it all the way to full all the time, which is really boring. But then you have to do some stuff with the sound card and fix it that way. But on my PC, I can turn that up and down. Then you go into advanced. And they've now removed the two options that I used to always get people to turn off, which was the suppression for background noise, leave the echo cancellation on, and then there's a button show in meeting option for an able original sound. And if you're using a sound card, make sure that's ticked because then you get what's coming out of the microphone without any crap. And then the trick is, is to not overdrive zoom and i know that it's got a little blue line or on the max it's got a green and red line that shoots back and forth like an led display yeah it has a little meter there yeah yeah but it because the algorithms designed for 
speech, when you start putting full spectrum audio through it, it craps out when you get much past half and starts glitching. And lots of people will try to do that thing of getting it as loud as they can. And that's the big, big, big thing is turn it down and you'll get a better audio quality out of it. It won't be that lovely, rich, full thing that everybody wants, but at least it'll be clean and stable from the beginning to the mm -hmm. end. Distortion free. Yeah. Well, it's not distortion as such. It's, it judders. So oh, okay. it, it, like there'll be a dynamic bit in the music and suddenly you'll get like a, a half a second where it's gone away to think and then it comes back and the music's there again, you know? Okay. So, and you can get rid of that by just turning the volume down. So it's not like clipping or anything, you know, it's just literally a break in the tune, like the, the Max Headroom kind of thing, you know, uh, for anybody that's old enough to know who he is. Do you know about this enable stereo setting? Can I ask you a question about that? I found it in the PC one, but apparently it's unavailable on the Mac version. Uh, but no, I don't own a Mac, so it's on yours. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's buried somewhere in the settings, and I've ticked it on all three of my versions because I've got three machines, and sometimes I'm doing testing, and I have to have all three of them running at once, and I've just gone through and I've made all the settings the same on all of them because i got three accounts. I only have one upgraded at the moment, but I use the other two for testing and things like that. Okay, so the problem that I ran into at this year's Live Sound Summit is that Ken Putrandrutin wanted to uh, share some live mixing with us, and that worked well enough. We figured out a trick. I don't know if it's really a trick, but the problem that we had Live Sound Summit 2019 is that we were trying to mix voice and music into the same signal into the same pipe and then put that into the microphone input of zoom and zoom does not like that if you put anything that's not voice into the microphone input then it thinks that there's background noise and it'll just turn the whole thing down but if you share your screen and then choose include computer audio then you have a second yes. input and then you can put music into that now oh, the problem we ran no, into I've not, this I've year i've not come across that yet i, I okay. know about the sharing the computer audio trick to get yeah. playing videos and things like that. I didn't have that ticked on one of my presentations and that c caught me out. Sure. But well, so that's what we, that's, that's <laughs> one thing we figured out this year at Live Sound Summit is that if you share screen and choose enable computer audio, then you have the second input that shows up and then you can put music through that and it works great. Enable stereo also works most of the time. And so we were able to share a stereo mix that was streaming. It does not get recorded though. So we're recording to the cloud and... Have you tried uh, the recording stereo... on the machine? What do you Because you have two options. Well, you when you go into the record settings, you have two options. Mm -hmm. One is record to the cloud and the other one is record right, directly to, the to your machine. Yeah, so if you're recording to your machine, does it behave the same way? Um, no, I couldn't get it to record either way in stereo. Okay. And yeah. um, unfortunately, Zoom is so busy now that their support is terrible. You can't call them. And if you email them, they'll just send you this automated response that says, hey, we're really busy. And so they never got back to me about that question. So if anyone knows the uh, answer to how you record in stereo, I'd love to figure that out. 
I think probably doing what we're doing here with Audacity is the one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I ended up yeah. doing in this situation is I ran a separate app in the background. I think I used Audio Hijack Pro and I just recorded everything that was going on so I could have my own stereo recording and then I just edited that in later. Yeah. But it was, it was no, weird that you it, could stream stereo but not record it. In, in the recording settings, there's also an option to record an MP3 of the audio. Right as a separate track have you listened back and seen what's on that uh yeah i did try that and that was all that was all still in mono unfortunately. okay yeah yeah i'm not using zoom so much as a recording platform i'm using it as a way of streaming to facebook sure. or you know if i want to do something more complicated or I'm doing something in the room. Because the problem with OBS that I found is it's really good and it's really high quality if it's all in your space. But to try to get a remote camera feed into it and then stream that, it there's OBS Ninja, but that can be, you know, that's really, really dependent on somebody else's server and whether it's busy or not as to the quality that you're getting. There's Stream Yard, I think, is one of them. Okay, I'm looking the at OBS Ninja. So it says add group chat, camera, so you can bring in all of these other sources that I guess normally aren't included in OBS. Well, what, what OBS Ninja does is, is, okay, so like with Stream Yard and... Stage 10, that's it. So with StreamYard and Stage 10, which are browser-based streaming options, you can log in from multiple sources and then combine them. So you can have three people in three different locations streaming to you, and then you can mix them together like you do with OBS with your different inputs. But with OBS, you don't have that option as such. And this guy, he's a Canadian guy, his name I can't remember at the moment, has put this OBS Ninja together. And if you go on your phone and type OBS Ninja into the search and click add camera, you get a little key that you then, let's it's a URL with a key in it. And you can then put that into the OBS in the browser setting, I think it is, in your sources, and that mm -hmm. then streams into OBS from that that camera. But it's not very, it's not greatly stable. It's not stable enough to, you know, do much more than those kind of quick interview things that you see on the news when they're, you know, holding their camera up and going, yes, and there's a fire in the Houses of Parliament today. Uh, okay. Somebody threw petrol over the Prime Minister. Oh, no, sorry, I didn't say that online, did I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm looking through these things that you just mentioned, and they're all kind of just different solutions for basically input and switching. So getting different yeah. inputs from different people from all over the world and helping you sort of as a one-man show because i guess that's what a lot of people are doing now it's like how do it's, i do my all, interview it, a, how do i do my event a lot 
a lot of this is from gaming. Okay. So I think it's a gaming develop. It, it's been developed around gaming. So you can have, you know, it's, I don't know what it is, but lots of gamers like to watch other gamers gaming and learn tricks and things, and they stream mm -hmm. their gaming. And there's a lot of this kind of stuff has come from gaming. So I'm kind of hacking gamer tech, or I was trying to hack gamer tech to make it work on for music and found that it's not really working yet it's not fast enough yet the internet's not stable enough you know my first machine i had to go out and buy a new computer with like i had 500 quid that i could spend and i bought myself a a, a dell that's got an i7 in it and 16 gig and 500 gig on the hard drive and it works and i got another you know a couple of weeks later i had another hundred quid and i've bought a i think it's a aoc that plugs in as a second screen on a usb3 and powers off of the usb3 and i got a, a gigabit switch that's got 16 it's a managed gigabit switch that's got 16 inputs on it and i've sectioned that off into two different switches one of them's limited one of them's not and an old Adderall and this all fits in my laptop bag and I can take it with me you know and just go and set this up anywhere and you know with a couple of microphones and do a gig sure so and I've been actually going to somebody else's house to do the streaming for a couple of these things because he's part of the community and he's got gigabit internet and they haven't got the fiber to my house yet here. And I'm in, you know, I'm in London and the fiber's not come yet. So yep. when it does, I won't have to walk 40 minutes to his house, but it's nice <laughs> to go and see him. And it's, and it's a lovely walk down the river and I get to say hello to the swans on the way and it's great, you know, get my exercise. Oh, man. This is going to be so boring for some people, but I got, I got to share with you that I'm so excited about our new house because although I am now calling to you tethered through my phone because we don't have our internet set up, when my wife was asking me like, okay, when we're looking for houses, like what are your criteria? What are you interested in? And I said, hey, all I care about is that we have access fiber. to fiber. <laughs> because our old place is only a mile away, but we were just talking about Live Sound Summit and like every year what would happen is... We finished Live Sound Summit, and then I have these gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes of video that I have to upload to YouTube and other places, and it would just take days, days to upload yeah. from my place, because yeah. all I had was fucking Comcast, like ADSL or whatever, but I could walk like half a mile down the street to my friend Dave's house, who had Fiverr, and upload it in like 30 seconds. It was crazy. So I was like, okay, when this well, is this all I is, care about for our new place. This is the thing that I was struggling with with the Spirit Fest event that I did, where I had somebody who was literally up a mountain in Switzerland trying to, you know, they recorded an HD video because I got asked by the guy, give me HD. And it's like four gig of video for an hour long performance. They've done it on their phone and they're trying to upload it and it's too big and the other thing is is there's you know there's things like mailbigfile.com and we transfer and there's a bunch of them that let you you know upload uh, or send large files to different people and we tried dropbox but you know dropbox is too complicated for some people because you can send them a link but they have to then go into the dropbox and open up their 
open up a Dropbox account and then agree to the link and accept this and da da da. And it's like five steps, and they just they're they're musician people and they're not technically minded, and that's you know they get frustrated and put it down and walk away from it. So it's like you know the other big problem that I had with all of this is trying to find a quick, easy way to get high quality video from somebody in faraway land on a really, really bad connection, like their phone to, you know, the guy who put this all together. He lives in a, a trailer park down by the seaside and they've got a super big connection at the trailer park but it really? then beams it then beams all over the trailer park by wi-fi and okay. he's got like this little tiny sliver of it and he found <laughs> that he was actually having to go to the local mcdonald's and sit in his car outside the local mcdonald's and log into the free wi-fi and mcdonald's which is something i've done around the world because mcdonald's has free wi-fi around the world and you can sit outside or go in and buy a coffee and use the free wi-fi God, at mcdonald's funny. to do <laughs> stuff because the hotel internet where i was was so poor that you know somebody bought a new mac and bought a nice Neumann and bought a sound card and bought the Pro Tools license and I went into the hotel to try to set this all up and I couldn't get it to download Pro Tools overnight on the hotel Wi-Fi even though we paid for the upgrade so I went to the McDonald's and used the free McDonald's Wi-Fi at 2 o'clock in the morning, (laughs) it took 40 minutes it's just totally nuts, you know so yeah, broadband is you know, find it where you can and use it where you can So, Ed, we've been talking for a while, and I just wanted to try and sum up some of the things I've been getting from you. And so to to really make these live streaming events work, it sounds like some of the most important things are, number one, you know, make sure that your setup is solid. So you have a good computer, you have, you know, fast internet, you have a wired connection. Make sure that your side is solid. Number two... You are doing pre-production meetings with everyone who's going to be online ahead of time, at least like the day before, running yeah. through all the steps, making sure that their connection is solid. And, and, and then number and, three, and, oh, go ahead. And during that pre-production thing, I'm you know doing my sound check using their equipment and I'm just talking them through it. So patience, I keep getting told how patient I am. Um, okay. <laughs> and yesterday, That's great. The, the one one of the girls that we did the 2000 pounds for the trees, the, the tree sisters, it's treesisters.org. If you want to go and have a look at it or look at their site and, you know, she called me up and she says, Oh, I've got this new mic and I've got a new sound card and I've got a zoom Uh, on Friday can you help me get this all set up and basically I spent two hours going through every connection and trying to figure out why her new universal audio wasn't outputting sound and she hadn't turned on the software in the computer that lets the universal audio there's a little mixer and that lets it work and then once we got that on i did the remote desktop thing like i did during our presentation and went into it and you know put found uh one of the freebies it took a little while to find which the freebies were had to find the get her to log in and go through the list and stuff and found the free compressor or a free audio channel with you know it's a it's a valve audio channel with the 
little bit of EQ and some reverb and set that up for her remotely in the software for the Universal Audio and saved it for her so that when she turns up at the next place because she's in an Airbnb somewhere else and she's streaming from somebody else's house, you know, for the next event. And when she turns up and plugs her computer in, she can hit recall and gets that those settings back, you Great. know, and and that, you know, is the core of it. One of the people had one of the little Zoom mixers that goes with the L1 and it's got a compressor and EQ and I'm talking people through. So if you press the EQ button, what do you see? And they're saying, yeah, well, I've got gain and then I've got Q and then I've got frequency. And I'm like, okay, put the frequency at 250, put the Q at 0.3 and then take it down a little bit. Yeah. And suddenly the guitar becomes clear, you know, and they can't hear any of this. And then I'm like, yeah, just touch a little bit of reverb onto that. And I'm actually doing you know, I'm talking people through through proxy. I'm mixing, yeah. <laughs> I'm mixing by proxy using a musician as my That's proxy, awesome. who's yeah. who's never actually touched one of these things before, and you know, having the Zoom meeting going, and then taking the phone and having a WhatsApp video call so that they can show me what actually equipment they're working on. And I can then say, oh, yeah, you see the third dial down, turn that one a little bit to the right. And then I'm like, no, 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 too much. Just back a little bit. And then it's like, yeah, that's good. And uh, I seem to be getting good results. And people keep asking me. It's not paying very well. But, you know, that can only improve as, sure. you know, this becomes more of the new normal or we'll start doing more gigs. But I've got a feeling we've got a second lockdown coming. I've just been on a trip through Holland and Belgium and France for, I got a place over in the north of France and I had to see some people in Holland about some potential work. And while I was out there, they changed the rules again. And I had to do two weeks of quarantine when I got back. And I've come mm -hmm. out of quarantine on the day that they've changed the rule from you can have meetings of 30 people to you can have or gatherings of 30 people to you can have gatherings of six people again. And, you know, so a, a couple of small things where there's like a group of people going to get together and do a gig and you can have 30 people in the room. So you can have like three or four bands in the same place at the same time and do something, you know, and then stream that. And that's gone, you know, that's gone again. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, you know, it's just finding things that work and making it work. The PayPal, yeah. PayPal's a great friend. I did the last, the Tree Sisters gig. I set up a PayPal, what's it called? It's a PayPal money pool. And I just had somebody on the other computer in the room and I'm shouting at him numbers as the donations are coming in on my phone and saying, we just got another 10 pounds, just got another 50 pounds. We're up to 400 quid. And then cool. somebody dropped 500 quid all in one go. And he's putting that <laughs> up on the chat, on the Facebook. Well, this is all well, the people are playing and I'm typing instructions on the Zoom chat to the people that are singing, saying, 
you know, can you move back from the microphone six inches, please? Because mm -hmm. they've gone off, well, it wasn't their bit, and come back in, and they've sat down. They're in this. It was great. They they were given this great big, huge, empty room, and they've got one large diaphragm condenser and an acoustic guitar and a voice, and it sounded brilliant. And then they got too close, and it started doing that glitchy thing. So I'm like, can you just move back, please? And you have to wait until they're looking at the screen to hit the send because it kind of drifts up the middle of the screen and sure. they'll miss it if they're looking somewhere else and you wait till the end of the track with it typed in and hit go and it appears and they'll go oh and you can see their eyes go light and they move back six inches and suddenly it was nice again you know so sure yeah so many little details to keep track of and figure out like how how to do the jobs that we've always done in person but over the internet yeah um and the third point that i just to wrap up this discussion, again, having some backup recorded content in case everything goes wrong or you can't get someone. And I, it sounds like one way to make sure you do that is just have that on your checklist for pre-production. So you do the pre-production call, you make sure that the person's connection is well, and then maybe record something with them and say, hey, record some of the thing that you were going to say, and then you have that as your backup. Yeah, the that's a good plan. The, you know, recording the soundtrack, get them to play, you know, a little bit of stuff. The other thing is, is the, the guy that we had on the other side of the country, he was going on to YouTube and taking stuff that had been posted on their channels and just dropping it in because it's already been published and it's the right okay. act and you know and we cheated a little bit but we did have quite a bit of pre-recorded stuff from different acts and we changed the scheduling around a little bit but be fluid with it you know this isn't like tv where you can have every single minute of it written out on a script and it's going to get followed and you've got a big team of people that are going to make sure that happens this is all you know it's all really kind of a new thing it's getting better my friend john brown that i had on that was did the electronic music side of it i was just talking to him and he's just put a fiber network and land network into something called the guild hall school school of music in london which is quite famous and they just did a 90-piece orchestra playing together from four different places in the school now this isn't using the internet and all of the audio is being done on dante and the latency is very very slight but they got 90 people in an orchestra playing in four different spaces playing together oh, wow. and it worked Cool. The That's trick amazing. That he, the trick, the trick that he said was, "Don't worry about syncing the audio and the video because the forty milliseconds of latency they've got on the video, by the time it goes out and comes back, that'll screw up everything, and people will hear that." Yeah. So leave the leave the audio as it is, and let there be some latency with the video. So when the conductor's doing his thing, that's not a, too bad because the musicians are listening to each other. And they're playing with each other. It's not all about the video. So so I wanted to mention, you, you mentioned two Sennheiser microphones, and I just had to look them up to make sure I remembered what they were. So the 421 is a cardioid polar pattern, and the 441 is super cardioid. 
Yes. This okay. is the 441. I saw one on a hi-hat the other day on a video that was done about some Motown stuff. It's super flat. It's almost like Dynamic 201 in its flatness. goes very high. It's got a small condenser in it. Or not a small condenser, a small dynamic in it. And um, it does you know, quite good high end. And the 421's got a slightly bigger diaphragm and it can make strings sound good. And they're both kind of old school mics, but a lot of the people I know have these and they're, you know, floating around. Ed, let's talk about pain. I would love to hear a story from you about the biggest or maybe most painful mistake that you've made on the job and what happened afterwards. Ooh that's there's been a lot of pain in my world (laughs) um the biggest and most painful thing i've ever done i don't know whether that's going to be physical pain of getting in the truck with a bunch of people that didn't know how to lift and trying to hold that box up so that that young kid didn't get crushed Uh, or it could have been the day that i smacked somebody in the pub after work for being I was too drunk. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, those both sound painful. Uh, Which one do you want to talk about? (laughs) Well, yeah, my my biggest, one of my biggest clients dropped me like a hot potato after that one. I don't have a great recollection of the incident other than I was in Barcelona on a corporate gig and we'd all gone to the bar across the road and we're drinking stuff that had i think it was estrella it had started early in the afternoon because we'd finished early that day and went to the beach bar and then carried on in the evening and basically drinking at work has been you know and and there's been other things that i've done at work over the years but i try not to do those anymore but drinking at work is something that's you know it used to be cool used to be part of the pay package i remember my first job at the blue note i would get two free drinks i would get two free drinks and drinks tickets for a pound after a pound to go afterwards and that's just not how things are anymore you know the industry's changed there's a lot of people now that have gone to college and university and come straight out into you know a world full of guys that have been lifting heavy shit at the back of trucks for 20 years and go and get pissed afterwards because it hurts and the two are really related actually i think because the when i started doing hot yoga a couple of years ago and straightened my back out and discovered i've been walking around with chronic back pain and i'd been you know drinking and smoking and doing all sorts to try to mask that and you know so take care of yourself physically it'll help take care of yourself mentally as well you know the number of times i've gone through an airport and had breakfast beers at 6 a.m just so that i can get another hour's kip on the plane before i get to the next gig and you know you get back afterwards and you have two or three weeks of this post-tour depression and mm-hmm. one of the things that's quite easy to do is just go and go to the pub and, you know, see your mates at the pub. And there's a couple of guys that do touring. One of them's a video guy, one of them's a lighting guy, and one of them's a drummer that live local to me. And I saw them, saw one of them playing in the local pub the other day. It was quite nice. 
to see everybody and there were no microphones involved it was a jazz trio <laughs> <laughs> so my Ed, favorite was this kind of gig these days in, was this thing that happened in barcelona was this sort of a wake-up call for you and you're like okay i can't can't keep going on this way relationships well yeah it, it was it was it was another one of those it was another one of those kind of epiphany moments like when the hailstorm and the thunder and lightning came and then i walked in and there was that tune on and i was you know on my way to the next gig and i got a phone call and i didn't actually recall the incident until somebody reminded me of it and basically i was i'd bought somebody a drink and they you know, they'd been given it the large salad and their dad was somebody high up in in the firm and he was a bit of a noob and he didn't get on well with the client and I was giving him a hard time in the bar about it afterwards because he was, you know, needed an ego adjustment, I suppose. Or I thought he needed one swathed in beer. And I um, was giving him a hard time and... and one of the other guys that's, you know, his in his age group from the warehouse had, and I know him from time and he was cool. He stepped in and poked me in the chest and said, oi, behave. And I, I smacked him upside the cheek, not tremendously hard, but it was enough that the guy who I'd been, you know, giving a hard time went back and told his dad and his dad told the owner and the owner told my line manager and by the time it got through all of that i was not flavor of the month anymore yep there you go so yeah but uh it's you know as one door closes another one opens and it opened up time for me to do other things sure and you know i ended up going touring with these pakistani guys around the world for six years and well that's a whole other set of stories. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to schedule another interview just to talk about touring with Pakistani musicians. That'll be great. Um, yeah, and yeah. is there is there one book you could recommend that has been really helpful to you? Ah, uh, yes. As I mentioned earlier, I went to a recording arts school for about six months when I was just out of high school. And it was one of the books that I got and it's called Microphones by Martin Clifford third edition and I think the subtitle is how they work and how to use them and it's not just a book about microphones it goes through it's a paperback about an inch inch and a half thick and it goes through all kinds of things about acoustics and reflection uh, reflective surfaces and just a lot of the really basic things that I absorbed that when I started doing live stuff I could actually understand you know and walk into a space and understand how's the space going to react and I ended up doing a few kind of studio mods where we've gone in and done soundproofing in studios and things and you know how parallel walls work to create standing waves and then discovering that standing waves are actually a little bit kind of simplistic because they're a 2d thing and we work in a 3d world so mm -hmm. there's eigen modes which is 3d standing waves that's more like bubbles of high and low pressure or 
pressure and rarefaction that occur at sub in the sub-base region depending on the size of the, the space you know and then the other thing that i discovered is that i went into my friend's studio and did some measurements because he was having some trouble with the low end in his monitoring room and discovered that it's not the flat walls that you're looking at it's the corners because that's where the distance in the corners is where you get your first problem because you've got three faces joining together and three faces uh -huh. joining together and the standing wave develops between that opposite corners rather than the walls interesting okay and you know so you get a lump when you look at it when you pink noise with smart you get a lump where you get a doubling and then you get a suck out and when you do the math it's the distance of that corner to corner rather than the length of the room or the width so you know without this is all you know way before there was computer modeling that was accessible to us when i was in the brit row warehouse it was still analog control gear and i remember being at the albert hall and we hung something in the round for the cliff richards 40th anniversary gigs and it was in there for like a month so they wanted to do a proper job and they had turbo sound flood and flash hung around the center stage all pointing each one each row was pointing at a different balcony and then up on the top they had some jbl kind of near field stuff that was all and it's an oval so it's not quite a circle and it was all being fed off of one matrix through an spx 90 and he just you know took a sharpie and a condenser and put the condenser on the desk and tapping the sharpie on the desk and there was a guy with a radio up in the gods saying one more click up one more click down one more click down one more click really? up, okay. going around trying to find the sweet spot so that it sounded nice when you walked around the whole because uh, it, it wasn't into sections and there was no fiber with thousands of outputs on on dante that you could tweak each different channel on it's right. you know it's it was basic stuff and seeing them put in the you know there's no laser measuring device and time alignment that's how they did it and seeing them put in a bunch of flood and flash around the pitch it Twickenham rugby ground and we ran 3.7 kilometers of soccer packs cabling in the drains for two days and then <laughs> wow. put these boxes <laughs> on their sides pointed up the sides of the the tiered seating and then incorporating that in with the in-house tannoy system and you know and then watching them clip lapel mics on the backs of people's shirts in the marching band so that when the guy is playing the trumpet the guy in front of him is picking up the trumpet behind him as they're marching around the pitch and just you know all these really old school ways of doing stuff to make things work and i got to see all of this and that was you know gave me inspiration to be creative um yeah. with eqing you know with time alignment with so many different things before we had the tools available. And then as the tools became available, it became easier and quicker to do these things, you know? Sure. And, you know, now the next set of tools is Zoom. And, 
You know? Right. It's just the next thing to learn. Yeah. Next thing to learn. And I'm sure something's going to come soon and it's going to be, you know, 10 times better than Zoom. But for the moment, Zoom's the next tool, you know, and OBS and these other, you know, everybody's stage 10. I haven't heard much great stuff about. It falls over quite easily. The StreamYard, lots of people have been using that because it's a little bit better than you get a better quality out of it than the Zoom if everybody's got a good connection. But you're going through their server and your control and stuff like that, and it's just not quite... You've got to have the people at the other end a little bit techy savvy. Okay. They're not quite ready for that yet, I don't think. Well, Ed, where is the best place for people to follow your work? At the moment, I would say uh, go and have a peruse of the Spirit Fest SF20 festival. I think that's still up. Okay. And then I've got a couple of things on All About Love Gatherings, which is a Facebook page. And then I did another one for Bright Sky, which is on Facebook. I've, you know, I've always been the guy in the background behind the camera trying to stay out of shot and not, you know, using, not using these tools to, you know, publicize myself and be the be the guy that everybody you know i get i've got a group of people that call me and every once in a while somebody i haven't seen in ages calls me up or uh, somebody refers me to somebody new but i haven't really taken advantage of you know advertising and this is probably the first thing this in the the demonstration we did during your seminar was the first thing i've done online so i don't have a lot of stuff that's labeled as mine and up there um yeah well so people should definitely check that out and uh, they can take a look at your presentation from live sound summit so ed kingston thank you so much for joining me on sound design live thank you so much for having me nathan sound design This episode was edited by Noah Feldman. It features music from an artist named Lily J. You can find more at mixkit.co. Sound Design Live is supported by Ellis, Learn Stage Lighting, Joel, Ross, Bob, Senqui, Roadie Free Radio, Scott, John, Voyager Sound, Dave, Kuba, DC Sound Out, Carl Hines, Nicholas, Andrew, Yusuf, Chris, Terry, EJC Audio, Stuart, Ozon, and Sven. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $5 a month over at patreon.com slash sounddesignlive.